Sulu Staff Vov, Ahmed Aleph and Bez, Accountability and Culpability, the Dovashen and Miskave and Upsikresha. We have a real Shasugia here, and the whole of Ksubis, as we've mentioned, is full of Shasugias. It touches on all the important things that you need to know throughout Shas. And here we have a great example of it where we deal with one of the issues that, that we encounter every day of our lives, and that's how do you handle people who say, Have you ever heard it? It wasn't my fault. It wasn't my fault. You get children say that when you're raising children. You're teaching students, they'll say, it wasn't my fault I wasn't prepared for the exam. It wasn't my fault I couldn't do the homework. Um, e- employees in, in businesses will say, it's not my fault. It's not my area, not my duty. Uh, managers and leaders will say, it's not my fault. Uh, the economy went bad. The bottom dropped out of the market. Not my fault. I should still get a bonus. I worked really hard. And it's always very interesting. It's not my fault when things go bad. I should still get a bonus because it wasn't my fault. The markets. I worked hard. And when things go well, they'll never say it wasn't my work. <laughs> yeah, I worked hard, but it was, it was my fault. All these years that things were going well, it wasn't my hard work. It's, it's only when things go wrong that it's not my fault. But when things go right, it's, it's absolutely my credit. And even prime ministers and presidents, we see at the moment what's going on. Not my fault, not my fault, not my fault. <coughs> so this whole sugi is about not my fault. Uh, and, and what does that really mean? And, and what are the boundary lines? And we can, of course, only touch on it. But to learn, uh, what I want to, 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 to see in this matmon is to see how a principle in halacha deals with something so everyday as... It's not my fault. Where do you draw those lines? And strangely enough, the foundation of it is in Hilchot Shabbat, <coughs> in the construction of the Beis Hamikdash, of, of the Mishkan in the Torah, where in Parshas Vayakel, Moshe says uh, to Bnei Yisrael, I've appointed um, Betzalel as, as an artist and somebody who is filled with the spirit of Hashem, with wisdom, understanding, knowledge in all areas of, of artisanship. And lachshov machashavot, to think of ideas, la'asot bezav of a kesef of a nechoshet, and to translate ideas into design. The Torah is defining what an artist is. To be able to conceive of an idea and translate the idea into, into practice, to be able to execute in the form of design. And that doesn't only mean you can paint a picture or make a sculpture. We talk about design thinking. It's the way you think all together. One can think artistically. And thinking artistically means you can conceive of an idea that hasn't been conceived of before in that particular form, and you can execute on it, you can design it. Um, that's, that's what artistry is. To be able to do in all these areas, and from there we learn, since that's the origin of the laws of Shabbat, we don't do on Shabbat anything which was done as part of the construction of the Mishkan, <coughs> we learn from there that the things that you're not allowed to do on Shabbat are melechet machshevet, are activities that are creative and entail deliberate creative design. Not just to do a creative action, but to, to do an action which entails creative design. That's what's forbidden on Shabbat. Because on Shabbat, we, that's when Hashem stopped with, the, with, the, with His design of the world. And we experience what it's like in the world not to be executing on design ideas. On Shabbat, we conceive of design ideas, but we don't execute on design ideas. 
But if the idea doesn't entail design, then even if you do execute, even if you do it, that's not called a melechet machshevet. And that idea is very important in Ha'cha. We have it in our sugion, where we have the famous machloket Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Yehuda about davar she'en mitkaven. So if you do something on Shabbat which you did not intend to do, and the famous example is you drag a piece of furniture over a sand floor, and thereby you create a ditch in the floor, which is a problem of choresh or boine, you're doing things which could be an isodoraisa. But says Rabbi Shimon, since that's not your intention, your intention is to move the furniture. Then you say, but look at here, there's a ditch, you've made a ditch in the ground. It's not my fault, that wasn't my intention. Says Rabbi Shimon, that's fine, that's not a melechet machshevet, that's not design. He didn't design the ditch and then execute on the ditch. That wasn't what he did at all. He moved furniture and the ditch was the outcome. So therefore Rabbi Shimon says he's potter. Rabbi Yehuda says he's still chayev. Um, and this principle of Dovah She'enem Iskaven, Rabbi Shimon extends not only into Shabbos, but to virtually all areas. That when you do one action, and a second unintended intended reaction results, then you're potter on the unintended action. However, we, we have, the, the Gemara says, <coughs> The Rabbi Shimon agrees that if that second action was inevitable, then you are responsible for the second action too. You can't say that wasn't my intention. It was inevitable. You should have thought of that. And the, and the metaphor that's used that is famous throughout Shas for that is psikoresha velo yamut. You can't cut off a head and say, I didn't expect to kill the thing. Uh, if you cut off the head, the thing is dead. It's like switch, turning the light switch on and say, I didn't expect the lights to go and I just turned the switch. I, didn't, I wasn't thinking about the light. Uh, there's an inevitable outcome. Rashi explains in Sukkah an important Rashi. What does that mean, Psikresha? It means, I'm chopping an animal's head off on Shabbos, but I don't want it to die. But where, since it's impossible that the animal won't die, it's inevitable that the animal will die. Important words in Rashi, it's considered intentional. Now, Rashi's not talking about the cutting of the head. Of course, that was intentional. He says, I, I know that I cut off the head. That was intentional. So what does he mean, Rashi says, The outcome, it's as if you intended to kill the animal, although that wasn't your intention. So it's interesting, we now interpret intention based on action and inevitability of outcome. So you can't separate and say, I had intention for this piece, but not for that piece. I had intention to turn the light switch, but not to turn on the lights. You, you, can't, you can't separate in that way. Once there's inevitability, we attach the intention to the outcome. And we say, you did intend to turn the lights on. Because it's not possible that you can turn the switch and not intend to turn the lights on. It's not possible. That's, it's one act of intention. <clears throat> In Algamar on Dafov, Rabbi Nutam says in Tosfus, a very important principle, that if it's a psikresha delo nichale shari, but if the outcome is not one he wanted, really he wants the room to be dark. His wife is asleep and by mistake he turns the light on. And, and he says, yes, I was conscious of turning the switch, but I thought the switch doesn't have a light attached to it. We've got a few switches in the room and it's an Israeli room. It has six switches and only one is connected to the electricity. So he says that I didn't, I thought it was one of the other switches. And I didn't want the lights on. Okay, that we say, even though it was a psikresha that if you turn the switch, the light will go on. It, it, you, 
and, and that was inevitable for that particular switch. But lo nichale, that's not what I wanted. I didn't want that outcome at all. So in such a case, also important principle. So we've got Tov Hashem If you don't intend, you potter, says Rabbi Shimon. However, if it's Psikresha, you're Chayef. However, if it's Psikresha de lo nichale, then you're potter again. Then you're, then, then you're let off. Um, and we see from a Gemara in Shabbos, and we don't have time to go into it, but you can, you can look at it, and there's the a Rashi there that it doesn't mean that you don't want the light on, such as in the case I gave you, if he turns the light on on Shabbos and his wife is asleep, he didn't intend to turn the light on. That's, that's he really doesn't want the light on. But what about uh, you'll see that Rashi uses the phrase it made no difference to me. I didn't need the lights. Broad daylight. Nobody was sleeping. I turned the switch on, but I didn't need the lights because I've got plenty of light. The lights make no difference. So it's lo ichbatle. That's also called lo nichale, according to Rashi, and therefore would be potter. The only time you attach the intention to the inevitable outcome is if the inevitable outcome is to the benefit of the person who did it. Then we say you can't separate and say it wasn't your intention. We say it was your intention. Um, the Rambam also words it interestingly. What I want to, to, to get to here is an interesting, very, very subtle difference in, in the wording of the Rambam and the Oruch, and I'll explain to you who the Oruch is, uh, and then to, to apply it. So the Rambam says, what is this case of, of Psikoresh Adonich? It's similar to Rashi. It's clear, it's inevitable that this outcome will result even though you didn't intend. Chayav. Because we know that it's impossible that that melacha would not be done if you perform that action. For example, the child says, I want to play with the chicken's head. So you cut the chicken's head off and you give it to the child to play with as a toy. He doesn't want the, the chicken dead. It wasn't even a kosher shchita. So, so he's not going to use the, the chicken, he just wanted the head. Since you know you can't cut off the head of a living creature and it continues to live, therefore it's considered that he intended to what he did. The Oruch, interestingly, words it very, very slightly um, differently. I was reading an interesting paper that a young man wrote, Rabnoam Koenigsberg, I think his name is, he came to, to prominence because he was the Rebbe of, of Danny Morris, one of the young kids who died in Miron, and he gave some beautiful hespedim. Uh, and I just came across a paper he wrote on Dovashen and Miskavin in Epsikresha. Um, and while I don't disagree with all that, that he said there, this contrast between the Rambam and the Oruch is an interesting one. The Oruch is a, an 11th century Rishon from Rome, Rabnosan Miromi. Rabnosan was a Rosh Hashiva in Rome in the 11th century. This is the time of Rashi. And he was the first person to write a dictionary slash encyclopedia. I don't know if you remember in the olden days, I remember in my time it was a great mitzvah present. It was called the Peers Encyclopedia. Does anybody remember them? They were little of one volume, compact. They looked the size of a dictionary, but they were an encyclopedia. They were amazing. And they used to bring them out every year and, and update them. It was a wonderful, wonderful gift. Uh, and I, I haven't seen them since, since then. I don't even know if they, if they exist. But the, the, this is about the size of the Oruch. The Oruch writes, it's one volume. And it's written as a dictionary, probably the first, certainly the first dictionary in Torah, maybe the first dictionary ever, I don't know. 
And, but it's, it, it's a dictionary that is an encyclopedia. It's unbelievably brilliant. And he's, he's got one section that I was learning today, but just psak. Pei samach kuf is the word that he's treating. And he's got one paragraph on it. Can you imagine how many things come under the word psak? Lifsok, to pasken, lifsok, to cut off, uh, to, to terminate. There are all sorts of things that come, and including psikresha. And in this one little paragraph, he goes through it all. And he makes a comment on psikresha that is universally important, which is the comment over here. The Oruch is quoted by the Rashbam and by the Bale Tosfis. So he's a Rishon. He's a Rishon who is Mefarish the Gemara. He's a Posek. We use him in Psak, just from this one book that we have of his, which is actually a dictionary called the Oruch. And there he says, If you cut off the head of a living creature, he doesn't give the example of the kid playing with a head. He talks about taking blood because he's talking about any chai, including a human, as you'll see. We ignore his words. His words are irrelevant. That's a murderer if it was of a human being. He says, look, I just needed the blood, so I cut off his head. Um, but it wasn't because I wanted to kill him. That's the Lerotzeach. So we, the difference between the Rambam and, and the Oruch, and I think the Oruch is more like Rashi, the difference is that according to the Rambam, the intentionality attaches to the first action. You turned the switch on. That's what you intended. Now, the light going on is an inevitable outcome, so you're responsible for it. The Oruch goes further and says your intentionality relates to the outcome. We say, even though you're screaming, I didn't intend, it wasn't my fault, I didn't intend, we say you did. You did intend. We treat you as if you intended for the outcome to the extent that in that case we would call you a murderer. No matter what your intention was, you did something for which the death of the person was inevitable. That's called murder. And, and, and therefore, we don't listen to any of the excuses. And that's something important, this idea of the Oruch, both of them, but the Oruch goes the furthest. This idea that when somebody does something that it, with it, where the outcome is inevitable, you don't have to be a genius to know what the outcome is. We don't listen to the, it's not my fault. We don't hear the, it's not my fault. It's irrelevant. The, what you're seeing, what you're looking at is so clearly a deliberate action that it's treated as deliberate action. And not only are you accountable for it, but you're culpable. That's the, that's the Chiddush in the, in the Oruch. According to the Rambam, and Rashi is not so clear, but according to the Rambam, you're accountable for what you did. According to the Oruch, you're culpable. It's much more than accountability. You've got to take responsibility to the point of, of culpability. And again, that's just an idea. If we just leave this idea in technical halacha and in chashabas and other areas, it's fine, it's okay. It's a, obviously, it's an incredibly important idea. But to apply the idea more universally and to use it in the way we lead people, in the way we raise our children, when we're having a conversation about accountability, to talk about the difference between accountability and culpability and the idea of and where it starts and where it ends, and the idea of a psikresha, and the idea that when there's a situation of a psikresha, en mamash bidvarav, I'm not interested in what you say, because if I look at your actions, there's a clear intention in the outcome, and I attach the intention to the outcome to, to result in full culpability, not only accountability, but full culpability. <laughs>